You're laughing, but some of you are crying inside, right? Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, we probably all have been at that place, and, and we may laugh and, and, and that sort of thing when we hear that. But wow, it's so easy, isn't it, just to buy whatever we want right then and right there. And I know that in my life that's been true. And, and I want to just stop for a moment, and uh, we're right in the middle of this series called All In. And we're taking a look at what God's word says about some of the myths that we have about money and resources and finances. I want to stop right now and just let you know about a resource that I want to encourage you to be a part of wherever you are in terms of finances and stewardship. And that's Financial Peace University. Um, This was something that I took uh, about 10 years ago. And I'm like the, you know, I'm like the student in the class in a college class. (laughs) Where at the end of the class, the professor's like, you're going to have to take this again. I'm sorry to tell you. So I took it twice and finally began to get it, and I probably should be taking it again. But it is a fantastic class. Um, For those of you, again, it doesn't matter where you are in your financial life, whether you're in the midst of disaster and crisis or whether you're on the right track and want to stay on the right track, I want to encourage you to take this. We've got a a team of people who are leading this. begins March 11th. It's nine weeks, including a a preview week on March 11th, and I want to encourage you to be a part of it. We're doing 6 o'clock to 8 p.m., all the information's online. Last time we did this, um, we had about 50 people participate in it, and I'm really praying and hoping uh, that that happens again because peace and finances can, believe it or not, go together. And uh, I've seen that in my own life. It was life-changing for me and for Cynthia, and I want to encourage you to take it as well and uh, at least investigate it and take a look at what God's Word says about money. Now, I, I realize that some of you are probably thinking, you know, there should be a church version of that book, because what I've seen in churches is they usually begin to get beyond themselves and begin to buy things that they can't afford, and that's what All In really is all about. And I want to unpack some of the details, some of the logistics today, um, but before I do that, and then we're going to look at God's Word, but before I do that, let's just pray, and let's just ask for His blessing to be with us for him to be with us. Father God, thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you so much for the salvation that we have in your son, Jesus. And God, I thank you so much that uh, you're doing a work in in and through Hilton Head Island Community Church, in our community and in our region that is undeniable. And Father, I pray your blessing on everyone who's here today. God, I know because I've been in their seats that when years and years ago when I walked into a church and heard someone like me talking about money and finances, it was very uncomfortable. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring peace into our lives right now. But God, I also pray that you would convict and challenge and that you would also pierce our hearts. And God, as we as a church are going all in together, God, I pray that it would be deeply, deeply personal. I pray that the journey, God, is incredibly personal and that brings about change in our our own personal lives, in our spiritual lives. And God, I pray at the same time that it becomes a rally cry over the next two years for we, your people, to get behind, to follow, to see your mission 
in this community for our church fulfilled. And God, would you bless every part of it. Bless our time now together as we dive into your word and as we talk about some of these things behind all in. I pray that you would bring clarity, that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us and that I would get out of the way and allow you to be in charge. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. I know that some of you know what we're doing here over the next, these five weeks of All In, and some of you, this may be you know, a little bit new, and that's fine, so just want to bring you up to speed on some of the things that have been happening, and if you're planning on being here tonight for our, our time of uh, worship and commitment, our night of worship and commitment, you're going to hear a little bit more in detail about some of these things that I'll talk about right now, but I just want to bring you in before we dive into God's Word on, on what I believe God is doing in the life of this church and in the life of really God's people here. And, and so I want to bring you up to speed on where we are with All In. Uh, All In is, yeah, it's a five-week series where we're talking about what uh, God's Word says. We're, we're debunking three of the major myths that we have as people and comparing them uh, to the truth of God's Word and, and really asking Him to change us in that. But it's also a, a two-year generosity initiative. And it's a time for us as a church to really um, begin to dream big and to be courageous and bold and fearless in terms of what God has for us next. To, to really get behind what I believe God's mission and his vision is. And so today I, I want to unpack a little bit of that and, and, and kind of fill you in on maybe some of the details. And I also want to encourage uh, some of you, if you haven't, to schedule a one-on-one -on -one meeting with me. This is something that I want to encourage you to do because um, it, it really gives you the opportunity to ask questions and to just share your heart. And I had someone say, man, Todd, I, I'm kind of nervous about this because it's like going to the principal's office. Trust me, it's not that bad, okay? I promise. I, I never liked going to the principal's office, so I won't do that to you, okay? So anyway, so I want to encourage you on that and, and be a part of that. And we do have two goals uh, in All In over the next two years. The first one is, is that 100% of the people who call Hilton Head Island Community Church their home would participate. And that you would be involved. And, and that's what tonight is about. That's what some of these one-on-ones are about. And, and that's really us joining together and, and kind of being shoulder to shoulder in this thing so that we're all a part of it. And for some of you, um, that may be a huge challenge. It may be a stretch. For some of you, as we talked about last week, this may be the first time that you begin to give a portion back to God. Um, for some of you, it may mean that you go from just giving a little bit to tithing, and for others, it may be that you're already tithing, and God calls you to give beyond that. And so the first goal is, is that we all are part of All In, that we all participate in All In. But the second goal is financial, and I mentioned two weeks ago when, I, when we kind of unpacked this, that our financial goal for two years is $3.7 million. And, you know, you could kind of hear a gasp in the room like, oh, my goodness, $3.7 million. That sounds crazy. That's a big number, isn't it? I mean, we can all agree on that. That's a huge number, right? Um, for God, it's nothing. But for us, it seems like a huge number. And I want to break down that number a little bit. I want to unpack that number a little bit because I think when you begin to see the breakdown, you'll begin to see that um, it's not that overwhelming. And I believe that God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or think. And so 
there are kind of three categories, if you will, that that $3.7 million goes to. The first one is, is we're going to be all in for the mission of the church. And that represents, that budget represents about $1.7 million for two years of our operating budget, general fund, if you will. That's the budget to keep the lights on and keep the building open. And it takes care of the costs that go up throughout the, the years. And it takes care of everything that we do to have our church, our ministry run day to day. And so that also includes an estimate of increase and that sort of thing. And if you think about it, it, it comes out to about $18,000 a week. And if you think about it, we're already doing that. So here's the great news about the $3.7 million. If we don't do anything more than what we're doing, and everybody who is currently tithing or giving to Hilton Head Island Community Church just continues in that, uh, we're going to see nearly, actually, we're going to eclipse that. We're going to see about $2 million already given. And so that's almost already taken care of. Obviously, we continue to trust God for that, and I'm so thankful that you are so generous, those of you who call this place your home. And uh, that's what For the Mission is. And so we're all in for the mission, but secondly, we're all in for the future. Here, here's where the vision comes in. Here's where I believe God has laid on me and confirmed with our elders and, and the leadership here at Hilton Head Island Community Church that um, we don't want to become complacent. We don't want to just sit back. And we're a church that believes in no long-term debt. And so the first thing that we want to do for the future is to pay off the mortgage. And more and more and more, I am seeing that that is something that we as a church, just like you saw in the opening video, um, how it applies to us personally, it applies the same way to us as a church. That we need to be a people who pay that off. And so that represents about $850,000. Our second part of For the Future is building a, a little lobby on the front of our building so that you don't get blinded when you walk out of this dark room on Sunday mornings. How about that? That would be nice, wouldn't it? And so we're going to be doing that. And then this, the last thing is, is what I mentioned last week, and that is, is that we are officially, as of this past Wednesday, in negotiations with our neighbor, Hargray, on the purchase or lease or lease purchase of that building, Building B, that borders 278 right out there right in front of us. And I, to tell you, we, we had a good meeting with Hargrave would be an understatement. And I can't wait to tell you. Come back tonight if you want to hear a little bit more about that. And that represents about $800,000. That would be an average of lease or lease purchase or perhaps you know, going towards a full purchase of that. And so we're really excited about that. Now, I've had some of you ask the question, and it's a great question. Why do we need another building? I mean, look around. The, the first service was almost completely full. This service is fairly full, but there's some seats, right? So why in the world do we need more space? Why in the world would we do this now? Why not just kick back for a little bit and, and just let things kind of just go business as usual, right? Well, I believe that that building gives us the opportunity to have a weekday presence in our community like we've never had before. I think that it'll give us an area that we can have a reception area where people can actually come in and find someone who's on staff because right now that's hard to find because we're scattered all throughout this building and most, most of our employees work at least part-time from home and uh, it's sometimes hard to find someone if you are in need. Uh, it would give us visibility right there on 278. It would allow people to actually find your church when you invite them to church. Wouldn't that be a great thing? 
And that's definitely something that's been a problem. It would also give us, I heard someone say amen quietly. That's really cute. I love that. That's great. It would also give uh, offices for our staff to be able to counsel and meet with people. When we walked into that building over there, there's a, gr- there's a great space to have classrooms. Most of this building we build as programming space. It would give us an opportunity to have classes over there, like Financial Peace University, marriage classes, uh, uh, classes for, for parents, and, and it really would allow us to host our partners and let them use a meeting room if they needed it. And so I'm really excited about that piece of all in, and I wanted to unpack that a little bit. And then the third part, and, and more tonight, by the way, um, for those of you who are going to be here, you'll hear, hear a little bit more tonight about the one part of that, the hard part of that. And then the last piece of it is we're going to be all in for the world. And that represents our missions giving. We have traditionally, throughout most of the time, except for maybe the first year in the life of this church, we've taken 10%. We've followed the obedience obedient principle of giving away 10%, and we've given 10% away to our local and global partners. And I believe that God wants us to continue to do that. And I also believe that he's leading us to help start a church in San Marcos, Belize, and in the area of Belize, and Billy White, in this area that we've uh, been able to serve in. And so I'm so excited that um, we as a church are going to put about uh, $130,000 behind that as well. And so that's what all in is really all about. I believe this sets us up to continue our our mission in the next decade and beyond. In fact, I believe this is something that really is going to propel us to be able to accomplish our mission, which is to passionately share the message of Jesus and lead people to follow him in a way that we currently can't do. And so I'm really excited about this, and I'm going to ask you, if you would, to join in to be informed. Uh, today, when you leave, uh, you can go by and visit our all-in station, and I believe uh, there may be people that will be uh, handing out, if you want to take it with you, some of the, the one-page uh, uh, document that talks about this. Everything I just mentioned, including our budget, our operating budget, is all online. You go to our website, click on all-in, and it's all right there. But I'm going to be honest with you, Hilton Head Island Community Church. I don't think that any of this is possible without all of us being on the same page in terms of understanding what the Bible says about generosity. And so today, we're we're going to move down the road of discussing some of these common myths that we have about money. Last week, we began with the myth of it's all mine. That's a word that we learn from the moment we're born, isn't it? Mine. We love that word. It's programmed into us. It's born into us. It's part of our sin nature. It's part of who we are as humans. We, we, we come into this world with a very clear understanding of the word mine. And so last week we said that that's the myth that we believe. But the truth is, is that it's not all mine. It's not all ours. God owns it all. And we said that God owns it all, and he loans it all to us. And our job is to surrender it back to him and to steward it to the best of our ability. And today, we're going to move on down this path of discussing these myths. And it's one that's very personal to me because it's probably the one of the three that I struggle with the most. And it's something that's very prevalent in our Western world. And it's the myth 
of materialism, the myth of more. It's the idea that I believe that I really need more than I have. Oh man, that's a tough one, isn't it? That's a tough one. Because not only are we born with an easy understanding of mine, but let's face it, let's just be real for a second. In our Western world, in our culture, not only do we learn mine from the beginning of our time here on earth, but we learn this obsession with more because of our culture. You can't get away from our culture breeding and and kind of creating an atmosphere for us to want more. And so the myth that we're going to take a look at today from God's word is the myth that we believe about money. And that is, is I really need more than I have. And the problem with more, the problem with this myth in particular, is that more is absolutely never enough. More doesn't fully satisfy, and it really only creates an appetite for what? For more. Have you ever, at the end of a, of a really good meal, I mean, I'm, I'm talking, you know, we have some excellent restaurants in our community, and you go and you have an excellent meal, and you get finished with the meal, and you're like, I want what? I want more. And then I thought to myself, that's what cruise ships are for. You can always have more on a cruise ship, am I right? (laughs) More is never enough. It doesn't fully satisfy, and it only creates a desire or an appetite for more. G.K. Chesterton said that there are two ways to get enough. One way is to accumulate more and more, and the other is to desire less. He said one way to get enough is to accumulate more and more, and the other is to desire less. And Jesus, in the midst of one of his messages, gives an excellent story, a parable that maybe is a little bit, uh, is a parable of some of you, if you know the Bible well, this may be one that you're not quite as familiar with, and it's recorded in Luke chapter 12, and I want to take a look at Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21, because I think it drives at this topic that we're talking about today, in the myth of more. I love how this story flows. Verse 13 says this, as Jesus is teaching. Now picture this. He's teaching to a crowd of people, and he's trying to drive home some spiritual lessons. And someone in the crowd says to him, this is like the heckler that's in the crowd, right? You know, in a crowd, there's always a heckler, all right? You don't don't have to speak up right now if you are one of them. But anyway, it says this. It's recorded. Someone in the crowd says to him, teacher. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. (laughs) Like if I'm talking about something spiritual in nature at this point in time and all of a sudden someone stands up and says that randomly, I'd be like, what are you talking about? We'll talk later. And I love Jesus' heart because he stops right there and he says something that's funny but also poignant. He says this. He said to a man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? He's essentially saying to this guy who spoke up in this crowd, really, like this is the issue? But then he begins to address the issue, and he says this. He says to them in verse 15, take care, 
And be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his, what's that next word? Say it with me, possessions. And then he told them this parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops. They call that a class A problem, right? This is a type A, a class A problem. This is like the best kind of problem that you can have. I have no more room to store my crops. And he said in verse 18, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my, say that next word with me, I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I bet a lot of you didn't know that that phrase came from the Bible, am I right? Some of you are like, really, that came from the Bible? That came from Jesus himself telling the story. And in verse 20, but God said to him, Fool, like B.A. Baracus from the A-team. Fool, that dated me, didn't it? He says, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And Jesus, I believe here is using this opportunity where someone in the crowd spoke up and, and, and talked about finances and talked about what sounds like a disagreement he has or about an inheritance that he feels like it is due him or maybe all of it's due him or at least half of it's due him and there's some kind of conflict and Jesus answers not by solving the conflict. Listen, I want you to hear this. Jesus answers by driving home the greater point that materialism and the desire for more isn't a soul issue. Having a want for more is not going to do anything to, to satisfy our soul. Nor, what Jesus is saying, nor is it even a part of what the kingdom work is about. Jesus is saying that materialism as a goal is something that we should not strive for. Now, I want to tell you what he's not saying. Because some of you may go home and you may talk about this and you may, you may say, well, you know what, I think what Todd is saying is that I don't need to really work hard. I don't need to really strive for anything in life. I, God is just going to take care of everything, even if you know, I don't do anything all day long or with my life. And that is the furthest thing from what Jesus is saying. See, I think that Jesus is talking about the fact that if we seek after contentment that we find in this world, that we're making a grave mistake. I don't think that he's talking about ambition. 
I don't think that he's talking about being complacent. Listen, church, there's a difference between um, like finding our satisfaction in the things of this earth and being complacent about our lives. In fact, I don't see anywhere where Jesus was ever complacent. Jesus never really um, like kind of justified this whole idea of, oh man, status quo is just good enough. He never did that. And I certainly don't see where God is not into being ambitious. He was so ambitious for humanity that he decided to send his son to be the savior of the world. So I don't see him bemoaning ambition. And I don't see him saying that we should be people who are complacent. I see Jesus speaking the truth and the truth about this is idea of having more or having uh, you know, our material as the basis of everything that we're about. I believe that he's saying that the true truth of it is, is that contentment is found when our want shifts from more of this world to more of God. Contentment really is found when our want shifts from having more of this world to having more of God. And I'm just going to be real honest with you for a second. That is a lot easier for a preacher to say than it is for this preacher to do. I can get up here and talk about this all day long, but the reality is is if we don't understand what it means to have a desire and an appetite for God himself, then we never will get there. We will always try to satisfy ourselves with the want for more. I remember when I was about 16 years old, and I've told the story before about how God called me into the ministry, and it was clear, and it was absolutely crystal clear without any doubt in the world. And I had a few factors that caused me to begin to kind of second guess what God was doing in my life. And one of the factors was this. When I told everybody that was meaningful in my life that I wanted to go into full-time Christian ministry, you know what they told me? They said, well, that's awesome. Just be prepared to be poor. I didn't want to hear that, even if it was true. I didn't want to hear the fact that, like, I was going to be poor for the rest of my life if I'm in the ministry because my focus during that period of time in my life was that I wanted to do what God told me to do, but, man, I wanted the stuff of life. I wanted to make enough money to have all the right cars and to live in the right home to live in the right neighborhood and to wear the right clothes that I thought made me look better than I do and it didn't work anyway and then I thought that like all of that would lead up to me being able to serve out of my abundance and what I didn't realize was that God wanted me to have an appetite and a desire not for more of this world but for more of him are you with me church you see that's what he wants That's what he wanted from me. That's what he still wants from me. And I still struggle with this from time to time. But that's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for us, church. That's what he wants from Hilton Head Island Community Church. It's a group of people 
that want him more than they want the stuff of this world. And more of God happens when first and foremost we recognize that our ultimate home is heaven. Paul in Philippians 3.20 says that our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, when we realize that our ultimate home is not here, that begins the change of wanting more of this world to wanting more of God. But it doesn't stop there. We've got to secondly ensure that our earthly treasure is consistent with our ultimate home. Jesus speaks to this in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is just full of, full of this when he's He's giving the Sermon on the Mountain. He says, um, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust, especially in the South Carolina low country, oh man, everything gets rusty quicker, doesn't it? Destroy. And where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, we can begin to develop a hunger and an appetite for God when we realize where our ultimate home is and that our treasure here on this side of heaven is consistent with it. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so when we recognize where our home is, when we ensure that our home and what we do with our money are, are really connecting, and, and then we find satisfaction in what God provides. Hebrews 11, excuse me, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says this, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Ouch. <laughs> For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. You see, we will develop an appetite for God when we find satisfaction in what he provides. That happens when we begin to look around And the things that we want, it's not quite as strong as it was once before. And then finally we'll find through this process that we desire more of God. That we're like the psalmist in Psalm 42, 1 and 2 when he says, As a deer pants pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. And then he says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. How do we undo the myth of more? It begins by admitting that there are things that we desire or that we want more of than we want God. I know, it's not a very popular message. I get that. (laughs) It's not even one I really like a whole lot, to be honest with you. So one of the things I want you to do is, is make a list of a few things that you want more than God. What do you desire of this world more than God. Maybe some of you can fit it on a little tiny like sticky note. You're kind of there. You're, you're pretty much like gotten this one down. Maybe some of you are like, I need a whole page. And some of you are like, I need a journal. It's going to take a full journal. I'm going to have to get online and type this baby out because it's going to be long. And ask him to remove the want 
of more and replace it with the one of God. Last week we talked about the fact that generosity is established when we understand ownership. Today our bottom line is that generosity is fueled when we want, when we want God and what he provides and when it's enough. It's fueled, generosity is fueled when God himself and what he provides is enough. And help that island community church if we're going to be the kind of church that I believe rocks our community for the gospel, if we're going to be the kind of church that does amazing things into the next, next decade and beyond, it's going to take a whole host of people who understand that God and what he provides is enough. When I think about all that he's accomplished over the last 10 years, man, I get excited I get excited about that. I get excited about what I believe he will accomplish in and through us in the next decades to come. Man, he's done amazing things. In fact, I want to pause and have you check out the screens because there's a very familiar couple um, that most of you know, and, and they said it best. So check out the screens. My name is Andy Reed. This is my wife, Stephanie Reed. We've got three daughters. Time out. <laughs> I'm going to say, my name is Andy Reed, you're Stephanie, and then you say we got three daughters. We've lived on Hillary for the last 20 years. My name is Andy Reed. This is my wife, Stephanie Reed. We have three beautiful daughters, and we have lived on Hilton Head Island for about 20 years. Over 20. Oh, over 20. <laughs> we first found out about Hilton Head Island Community Church uh, about nine or ten years ago, so right after the church first started, uh, we were looking for a place for our family to, um, to really grow in the community, and um, we heard great things about this church, and uh, we're just, we found out it was really close by where we lived, and um, so we decided to check it out, and uh, we really just loved the people uh, that were there, and um, just really felt at home. I think what got us going or made us really like this could be our home church um, was when they had a serve day. They wanted to go out and help the people of the area and uh, that really struck home with me. I love to sing and that's really a passion of mine and um, I was blessed to be able to to meet Cynthia and a couple other musicians and so I've been a worship leader ever since for about nine years. I love how our church goes out and reaches the needs of the people in our community. When we went out to the different uh, people's homes, like I remember we went to a lady's home in Hilton Head Plantation and a bunch of us from the church helped her you know, really do a big cleanup in her yard. I mean, it was a big project. So just hands-on being with people, that's really big for me. I would say a real defining moment for us, uh, my wife and I, was when we were, uh, me and Todd, and we're out in the ocean, and uh, Todd baptized our youngest daughter, Hannah. Um, that was really special. That, and and that, that little girl, she loves Jesus. Yes, I mean, she really does. So that, that was really neat for me, out in the ocean with her. Having that visual of, of our daughter, just really loving the Lord so much and being able to, to show that with, uh, with the people that are out on the beach, just 
getting her baptized was just such a memorable, defining moment for, for us. One of the things that really excites me about the opportunities at, uh, at our church is their desire to grow in the community and actually globally as well. I know that we really have a passion for the people in Belize and really wanting to, to build a church there would be an amazing opportunity. Um, so there's just, there's so many opportunities here on our island. There's so many people that, that need to be loved on, that need to have a place to call their church home. And uh, so any opportunity that we have to, uh, to be able to grow and expand to meet the needs of our community is just, is fabulous. It's interesting since we've been coming to this church for nine, nine years, nine, nine, <laughs> you know, I remember what it used to look like, how small it was and how it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the reason I think of that is because we're meeting people where they are and telling them the truth about Christ. And um, God's word is powerful and, and it will work. Uh, it is what it is. I mean, it is the truth. I think God can use small things to make big impacts. And this church is one of those, I think, that can do a lot of great things. We've baptized hundreds of people. Um, in the life of this church, and that is one of the most memorable baptisms um, that I have um, here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. And Stephanie, thank you for sharing your story, you and Andy. They were here in the last service, but I want to thank you for sharing your story this morning. And Hannah was here in the first service, and she made me cry. So um, anyway, so I'm glad, you know, I'm not doing that this time. Man, I just really got to me in that first service with her right down there. But I got to tell you, church, there's more of that. There's more of that in our future. God is not done with us yet. He is not done with using us to accomplish the mission and the task that he's given us. That's why we don't sit back and become complacent. God is not pleased with what we do to fill ourselves with comfort. Man, he wants us to be on mission, and that means that we take a close look at our personal finances. All of us being all in. We realize that he owns it all, and then we realize that more is never enough. What does it mean for you today? What does it mean for you and your family to be all in in terms of what God is doing in your church? Father God, I thank you so much for stories like Hannah Reed, God, and Stephanie and Andy. God, there are dozens and dozens and hundreds of stories just like that. And God, I pray that you would help us to connect the heart part, the heart part of our finances and generosity to why it's important that we as a church stay on mission. God, each of us play a part in this, whether small 
in number or large in number. God, we play a part in it. And I pray right now for people in this room who walked in here today and the last thing they wanted to hear about is some guy like me talking about money. God, I pray right now for those who are in here and their financial life brings massive anxiety. Perhaps they are in disaster or on the verge of it right now. And God, I pray for those who walked in this room that whether they've brought it on themselves or whether it's been forced upon them, they seemingly have no hope. God, right now, I pray that you would remind them that you are for them and that there is hope. And God, I pray that you would search their soul, that your Holy Spirit would search them, that you would pierce their hearts, that you would help them to find out what it is that they need to surrender and to give up to you, God to be able to go to that next level. God, I pray for those in here that really struggle with materialism. God, uh, and I'm raising my hand on that one. God, I pray that you would help us as your people to truly find our satisfaction in you. And God, that will fuel generosity perhaps like nothing else getting our eyes off of ourselves and what we think we need and what we think we want and getting it on you. Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would help us to be a people who are not consumed with more, but only more of you. God, I pray that you would establish that desire in our lives to seek after you. God, help us to find that thing or those things that may be hindering us from that. And God, I pray that we would give that to you, that we would surrender that to you, that we would ask for your help in this. In fact, um, while they're singing this next song, I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you've got something that you want to pray about, I'm going to be on your left, my right, and I know Scott Mackay is going to be down in front of the cross over on your right. And if you want to come down and have someone pray with you and for you, we'd be glad to do that. We would love to do that. If there's something that is just burdening you, whether it's your own thing or whether it's someone else's that's affecting you in terms of your finances or stewardship. I, I just want to invite you to do that right now as, as we sing. God, thank you so much for what you're doing. Help us to be a people of, people who are courageous. God, who find our hope in you and who are fearless. And I pray that you would do amazing things in and through us. In your name we pray. Amen.